With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. All the stars were aligning in a sense, and I, I felt like I would regret not taking the jump. Then my business partner, Ben, and I drove down from the Bay Area to L.A., found a spot and just started working at a coffee shops. I think the first month or two after leaving Roblox, where everything started to sink in, like, you know, the first day of me opening up my laptop at a coffee shop and being like, all right, what do I do? And that's where Warren James was birthed. This is Finding Founders, a podcast showcasing the vibrant entrepreneurial spirit of Los Angeles and our journey to find the founders responsible. I'm Samuel Donner, and today on the show, we talk to Kevin Ramsey, founder of Warren James, a custom merchandising firm that specializes in the content creator ecosystem. I just threw a lot of words at you there, so let me break down what we're actually looking at here. A decade ago, when people heard the term content creator, they thought of a bunch of teens with crappy webcams recording vlogs in their room for YouTube. Now those teens are all grown up and have developed themselves into some of the most recognizable brands in the world. And that's where Kevin's company, Warren James, steps in. Warren James is capitalizing on this personal branding, offering custom products that previously were only available to large companies. Basically, with the help of Warren James, these content creators can stop selling crappy off-center screen-printed t-shirts and instead market custom Nikes. But before we get into his eventual success with Warren James, take a moment to screenshot this podcast, put it on your Instagram story, and tag Samuel Donner so we can repost it. Okay, now let's investigate the experiences that built Kevin into the businessman he is today. My dad didn't have his own company, but he was very successful in the advertisement space for magazines back during that. It was a massive industry. Even though it wasn't his own company, he was very successful and he was traveling, taking sales meetings. Seeing that growing up, I think, is a, a very big part. From an early age, Kevin wanted to be successful, just like his father. And luckily for him, his parents happily supported whatever endeavors and activities he enjoyed, even if those activities were ones that some parents are less than enthusiastic about. I can't remember what my necessarily first game was, but I would say probably Call of Duty was like the first game that I kind of dedicated a significant amount of time into. And then eventually I made the transition from being like Xbox to PC, and that's when things really started to snowball because of the social aspect of it. You're up to that point, you're in an Xbox Live lobby and that's that, but on a PC you could be talking to the entire world, you know? A good way to think about it is you're just kind of hanging out with your friends and you're talking, but you're doing an activity at the same time that everyone likes and that's playing a game. So it's kind of merging two things that you enjoy doing, as opposed to just sitting at the coffee shop and talking with the group of guys. You're all playing Call of Duty, having a good time and talking. So it's, it's, I think it's a mix of the social and the enjoyment of, of doing something. Kevin? dove into the world of video games, and by the time he was in middle school, he'd explored the depths of this burgeoning industry. He cast a wide net, discovering different games across a variety of platforms. 
Something that I've recently realized in this quarantine post-corona world is that video games are actually incredibly social endeavors. I've never been a gamer myself, but to stay in touch with friends across the country, I've picked up playing Minecraft, and it's awesome. So it makes sense why Kevin gravitated towards these PC games. The social aspect is unparalleled in terms of online interaction. Kevin saw these games as enhancing his friendships. And beyond that, these games would come to impact more than just his social life. That a couple things I was playing around, like at one point I was debating going to be a doctor, which would have been a very different shift. And my final kind of decision was interactive media and game development. But the design side of that, being very young, you kind of just make the choice going into it. It, it would apply the most to what I wanted to do, having that background in coding and understanding how to design games. Kevin saw the potential in video games as a career, something worth devoting his time to actually study. And in fact, he saw some hints of success from learning and building video games by the time he was a junior in high school. Hungercraft started junior year of high school. Yeah. It was right during like the initial boom of Minecraft. Yeah, so the way it came about is my buddy David and I were playing Minecraft in my room and I had just finished the first book of the Hunger Games. And at this point, like the Minecraft server community started to bubble up and we were playing some different servers, but nothing existed for the Hunger Games. I want to play with my friends. Like at the end of the day, like let's make this and let's get our friends together and play it. And I went to a small private school, so we didn't have enough people to fill. I believe it was 32 people that we wanted for the game. So I made a post on Reddit, on the Minecraft subreddit, put it up at night. The next morning I woke up and it had like 10,000 people that had signed up. And at that point, I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. We, we need to get some people and actually make this happen because I wasn't a coder. David wasn't a coder. So I went to the JavaScript class and I pulled together a little ragtag team of people to, to start to develop it. And we went live. We got um, a content creator called Giant Waffle to live stream the first event. And we had some like five to 8,000 people tune in on Twitch, which was a good number, especially for that time. And it just kind of snowballed from that point. And the demand that came to us led us to double down, increase our servers. At the peak, we had like 10 different servers running and they're all at capacity. There were definitely some pain points along the way. Like, so every week we would host a new live stream and it'd be on a new map. We'd get a new group of 32 people. So on the subreddit, we would do like a post saying, please sign up for this week and we'll randomly select people, kind of like the reaping from Hunger Games. And during that, we would have to pump out a new map every week. And we weren't bringing in income but didn't have enough to pay people to be developing these maps, developing the actual new features for the game. So it was, it was a group of volunteers pretty much that were just putting in their time after school to make it happen. And that was definitely a difficult part was other people were coming in as like actual companies backed by money or adults. And we were trying to compete with them in a very rapidly growing industry. With so much competition and more on his plate than he could handle, Kevin looked to sell. This was a fun project, but it was hard to see what it could become. He had cultivated success in an industry that was in its first stages of development, so he couldn't look to inspiration in people that were further along than him. It was just Kevin and a bunch of huge companies. I did. I sold it when I was a freshman in college, and I didn't sell it for a lot. It was really the brand name and the domain that was getting a lot of traffic that was worth it, but... It was my it was my first taste of like, oh, something I can build can turn into some money. 
Honestly, I probably should have sold it significantly before that one. At our peak, we had like 4 million uniques playing the server, and that's when we should have sold it. But it's one of those things I wanted to use the experience as long as possible. Hungercraft had been wildly successful. Without meaning to, Kevin had created a business that resonated with those in the gaming community. This wasn't his original intention. He simply had an idea to make games he was playing a bit more fun. But by fusing his interests with those of the digital world at large, he had unearthed something that struck a chord with those in the greater gaming community. Taking his interest in video games and combining it with his relationship building skills, he was able to find success in the creation of Hungercraft. However, while he had developed some of these skills, he clearly still had some work to do. Money was being left on the table. And so he moved on from Hungercraft with an insatiable desire to create. But he wanted to build his next business with someone who shared his passions. So he took these passions online and started playing some games. My business partner, Robbie, and I were on the same Smite team. Smite is, it's called a MOBA, so it's like League of Legends. It's a 5v5, and it, it, it's just a competitive esports game. Yeah, so him and I were on the same team, and we started to win some tournaments, and some money started to come in. And at that point, there wasn't really a team that bridged multiple games. There were teams that were specific games only. So we had the idea of, like, why don't we pick up a team in all of the top games and put them under the same brand name, so as if the Yankees had a soccer team, a tennis team, a baseball team, and all under the same name. It started of freshman year of college i always have been a fan of having a business partner for the kind of the spitballing the back and forth that happens and it just kind of came through one night we were just talking and the vision just had started And after my first year of college, things had really started to ramp up. We had teams in a bunch of different games. We had sponsors paying good money. And I had decided to drop out of college and go full-time into it. Missing the opportunity seemed like the bigger risk than dropping out of college was. Kevin made the tough decision to drop out of college to commit to Smite full-time. To him, a key aspect of this was to fully immerse himself in the company he was creating. And a large part of that was once again, developing and fostering his relationships. Collaboration has always been a vital aspect of Kevin's success. By having a partner nearby, he had someone he could constantly bounce new ideas off of. This mindset would once again pay off in the development of his next company. So I moved to Columbus, Ohio, which is where we had our gaming house. So it was a house that we had put Call of Duty team in there, I believe. And they were just full-time streaming, practicing, going to tournaments. So I moved there to be management over the house. And I just never went back to college. Things just kept rolling into the next project. But after a while, Kevin began to realize that relying on relationships and his limited experience in the business world wasn't going to be enough. He felt that he needed to grow within a more structured environment. So his focus drifted towards the corporate world. The, the thought process at the time was I was 19. I didn't have the degree, didn't have that much work experience, especially I didn't have any corporate experience. So as the company was growing, was making a lot of mistakes along the way. It dawned on me at some point that I needed to get that experience. So Jazzwares came along, offered me a great opportunity to grow in that company and get very significant corporate experience. And it felt like it was worth my long-term play to do that. Another point was because I didn't have the degree, if this does crash and burn, then I got to go back to college. And like all this time I spent is wasted. Do you regret making the safe decision? 
I don't because especially if you look into denial post me leaving, there's some bad PR related to it. And I would have had to be involved then. I'm, I'm hoping that if I was involved, that stuff wouldn't have happened. But it looks like I made the, the right choice. Though it may seem counterintuitive at first, Kevin decided that the best way for him to build a successful company in the long term was to leave the one he was already building. Although he saw the mismanagement at Smite, he felt ill-prepared to anticipate and navigate many of the challenges he was facing because he was lacking experience. Kevin knew that he had a lot more to learn, and luckily for him, Jazzwares saw his potential. Yeah, so Jazzwares is a, a massive toy manufacturer. They go and they produce product overseas, for example, China, and then they sell it globally. The first time I got in contact with Jazzwares, I was talking to Judd, the CEO. It was a Minecraft convention, so I was talking to him about Hungercraft initially, and they saw my expertise in gaming as a good opportunity for the company. But then I relatively quickly moved up into licensing, which is where they'll go out and get the rights to the property, make product for it, and then sell that in a retailer or, or e-commerce platform. So I moved into the licensing department and my job was to go find properties that I thought were gonna be popular. Kevin leaned into this position and tried to combine his prior knowledge with everything he was learning at Jazzwares. And soon enough, his gaming expertise proved immensely useful to scout out a key new property. On the tail end of my time at Jazzwares, I was paying a lot of attention to content creators on YouTube. And I started to see this game Roblox start to show up, get a lot of views. The big piece to me that seemed like it was going to become a massive property was it's a UGC game, which means it's user-generated content primarily. Kids are making these games, they're publishing it on the platform, and then other kids are playing it. And then content creators are starting to make some some videos around it, they're driving traffic to the, the good games or the more popular games. My thought process was the more people making games, the higher quality the games are gonna be, which means more people are gonna wanna play it, and then it'll just keep following that cycle until it becomes massive. And at that point, it was kind of a gut reaction. It was also just seeing it emerge over and over. Recommended going and signing that property, so went out to San Francisco, met up with Roblox, and over a very long process, convinced them to give Jazzers the rights to the property. Many successful entrepreneurs have this sixth sense-like ability to predict paradigm shifts. If you pay attention, there are clues pointing to which industries have the potential to explode in popularity. Kevin had a comprehensive understanding of the gaming industry, and it was with this knowledge that he was able to rapidly climb the corporate ladder. He soon moved to the manufacturing hub of the world, China. <laughs> I consider it almost an adventure, and that part was what was very fun to me. All of it was new experiences. The way that they conduct business is very different to the U.S. Everything related to relationships is a much bigger aspect over there than it is here. It's a unique market, to say the least. To me, it was a huge opportunity to be out there. The amount of Americans that you run into in China is very limited. Being one of those Americans that's representing a large company, it put me in a great position to make great relationships, to really further myself at a much more rapid pace than I would have otherwise. I was doing the product development for Roblox. I did about two waves of product that went out to retail. And then Roblox approached me to switch sides of the table and go work at Roblox. Working in China gave Kevin a comprehensive view of global business. He had learned so much and now was in high demand because of that knowledge. Kevin had embarked on this corporate adventure for one reason, 
to get enough experience to start his next company the right way. And it seemed like everything in his life was saying, hey, you have the experience, now go for it. All the stars were kind of aligning in a sense, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity on a quickly growing market. And I felt like I would regret not taking the jump. Then my business partner, Ben, and I drove down from the Bay Area to LA, found a spot and just started working at a coffee shops. And that's where Warren James was birthed. January, we did a round of VC funding. The way that it kind of went about is Matt was my roommate at the time, and I was working on Warren James, putting in every minute I could after work and on the weekends. And he just saw the the growth of the company and the effort that we were putting into it. And the fact that we were doing it all part-time gave him the confidence that if we were to go full-time with the money, we'd be able to really turn it into a fully operational business. It, it, It was very scary to go through at the time. And the great thing was Matt coming on as our partner, giving us that safety net, maybe more comfortable because I wasn't going to be homeless in four months if we didn't start bringing in money immediately. That decision to pursue Warren James full-time seems more in line with who Kevin was in his youth, an entrepreneur at heart. Everything he did in his early days centered around the creation of companies. And what I find pretty interesting and kind of genre-defying is this return to entrepreneurship after a corporate detour. The comfort of the corporate world can quickly corrupt an entrepreneurial spirit. It's easy to become complacent. I think that's why I feel the need to stress this pivot. For many, it's hard to return to the uncertainty that awaits the life of an entrepreneur. But Kevin was full steam ahead. Once he realized momentum was building, he knew he had to go full-time in this project and take the leap. But I was curious what pointed him in that direction. Why was this particular industry so enticing to him? The industry is product development and merchandising for content creators. People are starting to realize, you know, these content creators are making their videos. They're making a good bit of money. They're building up staff around themselves to edit the videos, but you know, they're hitting a ceiling on the number of views they can get, the amount of money they can make on the views. They're finding other ways to make money. And the next step is to produce product. Your, your fans want to buy product for you. So people are starting to become more and more comfortable doing that. Also, fans are becoming more and more comfortable buying product. The, the transition that we're seeing happen is content creators creators are looking to build brands that will ultimately transcend their audience. So they want to make an athleisure line or a streetwear line or something that's more than their brand themselves. It's not just merchandise. After spending so much time closely observing influencers and working on licensing, production, and merchandising, Kevin was exceptionally in tune with the social media ecosystem. And thanks to his sociable character and that unmistakable entrepreneurial drive, he's figured out what creators need and more importantly, how to meet those needs. With Warren James, he is able to provide a service that accounts for the copious components that are integral to establishing an enduring brand. But running his own company required a lot of growth and adjustment. Like all things, leadership takes practice and the right mindset. I think the first month or two after after leaving Roblox, where everything started to sink in, like, you know, the first day of me opening up my laptop at a coffee shop and being like, all right, what do I do? What's the first thing I do? That, I'd say, was a little stressful. But once you get into the groove of it and you've got your habits and, like, I'm a big proponent of having a business partner or multiple business partners, it takes some of the stress off. And at the end of the day, 
If you fail, you fail. You'll start again and do something else. So it's, it's not make or break. For me, it took quite a while to, to kind of grow into being, quote unquote, a leader. I listen to a lot of hip hop. The fact that they kind of boast in their music, even though it's like it's superficial and they boast about making money, it, it put me in the headspace of like, I can do whatever I, I want. Like I can accomplish anything in the world. Listen to that before walking into a meeting. Like it, it actually, it motivates you just, even just listen to the audio, that kind of motivates me to go and try to be successful. That stuff works. And if you, if you keep kind of brainwashing yourself with that, like you're going to be in that headspace all the time. My mentality along the way, especially since brainstorming Warren James and going through iterations of what that's going to be, I like to use the analogy of throwing darts at a dartboard. If you just keep throwing darts at the dartboard, you'll eventually get that bullseye. And it's just a matter of putting in the hours and working at it, and then it'll eventually become what it's supposed to be. I want to take a minute to focus on how much Kevin stresses mindset. Ultimately, everyone has 24 hours in a day, but it's those small steps towards productivity, those everyday habits that compound to produce exponential results. Kevin wasn't magically born a CEO or a leader, but his experience exemplifies that if you don't view yourself as a leader now, if you are someone who's nervous to even think about public speaking, which Kevin was, you still have potential you still can become a leader of a successful company if that's what you want. Kevin has this just do it attitude that motivates him to pursue discomfort and grow. There's no specific type of person who is successful. Kevin was just able to manifest confidence and success through small changes that prepared him to adapt and overcome any roadblock. The fire that sustained Kevin was simply the burning desire for independence. And this desire fuels his plans for the company's future. Okay, just a little background before we get into where Kevin is now. Kevin was actually one of our first interviews that we never got around to releasing, but almost exactly a year after our initial interview, we followed up with Kevin to see where he is now. My business over the last year has really kind of evolved from when we last talked. At this point, we're one of the largest North American merchandise manufacturers for the influencer and video game space. From front to end, we manage everything from designing product, developing product, the logistics, developing the website, customer support, returns, kind of everything that goes into running a merchandise business. But we do it for content creators primarily. I, I feel like you're geared for expansion. What are you most excited for um, in the future? One of the most exciting growth opportunities for us is Southeast Asia. We are finalizing some deals with the biggest creators in that space. So we'll be bringing kind of the Warren James solution services to that region where they've not had that opportunity up to this point. You know, merchandise in that region has been for content creators has been pretty non-existent up to this point. So to make that happen, we're partnering with fulfillment centers all throughout Southeast Asia. We're opening up an office in Singapore. So there's a lot that we're doing to, to make that happen. One thing we've been asking our founders recently is what, what books would you recommend to like budding entrepreneurs? The Power of Habits made a strong impression on me. The value of that book to me was, you know, once you start to train your brain of this is what success is and you make success a habit in your life, it becomes a lot easier. Whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, like I'm trying to be more responsive on emails, I'm trying to put more hours into work. Once you make it 
a habit in your life, it no longer is a as big of a challenge for you to do it. It's it's actually more difficult to not do it than it is to do it at that point because you're just so trained to want to accomplish this, accomplish that. And it just kind of it talks about how to retrain your brain in many ways to tackle those tasks. Um, so it's an interesting thought process to take into personally into your business as well into the marketing of products. I thought our follow-up with Kevin was incredibly inspiring. In just a year, his fledgling company has become a leader in the merchandising space. And that's all because Kevin has developed himself along with his business. Just like the game of Minecraft, Kevin built himself up one block at a time to become the successful entrepreneur he is today. Before starting Warren James, Kevin recognized his lack of business experience and absorbed skills, wisdom, connections, and leadership ability during his time at Jazzwares. While he settled into his role as a new CEO, Kevin immersed himself in music, books, and podcasts that helped him bolster his confidence and lead with conviction. Kevin believes that anyone with passion who is willing to build themselves up block by block can create their own Minecraft biome of success. And through Warren James, Kevin is helping creators make their own brands that transcend their influence to take on lives of their own. Now, the only question left is, what will you build? This episode was a blast to put together, and I want everyone who was part of putting together this episode to tell you what they did. So without further ado, here's the Finding Founders team. Hi, my name is Adrian Tapia, and I was the lead producer for this episode. Hi, my name is Sophie Davies, and I helped write the script for the voiceover. My name is Charlotte Isidore, and I worked on the editing and helped write the script for the voiceover. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Bowen, and I helped edit and make the voiceover script. Hi, my name is Dharma Shah, and I helped edit and add music. Hey, my name is Luke Riggin, and I edited part of this episode. My name is Sahaj, and I helped edit and find music for this podcast. My name is Maddie Boson, and I helped edit this podcast.